Quiet, please. You're listening to Birdies and Bogies, hosted by Jordan Bloxham and Weston Mon, bringing you golf's week in review, recapping your favorite tournaments with professional insight from their perspective. Now, quiet, please. Here's your hosts, Jordan and Weston. Weston, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. Doing good. I was uh, frozen, Disney on ice. What did you go to this weekend? (laughs) I went went to Frozen on Broadway. And I mean, it was a good show, right? So, but (laughs) uh, my heart does lie in other places, not necessarily on the stage of the Grand Old Theater. But um, yeah, tell me how your weekend was. Uh, it was a nice day um, on Saturday for for golf. Course was in a really good condition. Um, as for my game, especially the driver, left some something to be desired. Um, let's just say that. But the green, I mean, came out good, but except for just putter was not. Three out of the first two holes just didn't really ever get get going. Um, Potter was kind of the main reason, or driver was the main reason for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, when it when the ball goes sideways, it puts a lot of stress on that putter. Yeah, so it was a lot of things. I just it was great walk perfect it was a light sweatshirt kind of day mm. yeah really i saw good. the weather that day and i was <laughs> so jealous and sad at the same time <laughs> fun day and then actually uh yeah after that I had to drive up to heber and heber to take my son up to one of his football coaches lives up there and like any my listeners follow me on Instagram. I took a picture from his back patio. I could live on that back patio. It's <laughs> it's just got a full unobstructed view of the back of Timpanogos. It's oh, amazing. Um, That's good country good. back there. Pretty good. And then uh, went for roller skating later that night as well. Uh, with no with no falls. <laughs> Uh, first time I've been in skates in probably 20 years. Like actual skates, or did you do roller roller, roller skates? Roller skates, yeah. Um, Blade, I would have been like that, would have been split city, buddy. I would have been split city. <laughs> uh, I did rollerblade as a kid, but um, and I got good enough to kind of, I mean, no tricks by any means, but be dangerous around a skate park, have fun, weave in yeah. and out, but uh. No, no roller skates for me, bro. <laughs> um, and my wife wants to get them, so we might be getting roller skates. Ooh, custom. Yeah, I don't know about that. Just something <laughs> that, that doesn't like extremely hurt, hurt your feet extremely bad. Yeah. Like the, re- the rentals. Um, but let's kind of get into it. Um. Where do we want to start? There's a, there was a lot going on this weekend. 
Yeah. But it wasn't what? like a, not, not a ton of big stuff. You had Lydia Ko go to Saudi, Saudi Arabia and went on the ladies European tour, which I saw that, like I saw it them not do it. And I was like, wait a second, there's not an LPGA tournament this week. No, there, there wasn't. My guess is she got paid <laughs> to, <laughs> to go play in, in, in Saudi and dominate yeah. and then take home the winner's check. Um, Thomas Peters hangs on and wins on the Portugal Masters on the European Tour and actually makes a pretty clutch, like, 18-20 footer on the last hole with his um, nearest competitor who was two shots behind that was inside of him for birdie. Uh, Nikolai Hojgaard, um, who didn't make the putt, but, you know, you're outside of a guy. You know, the guy's got 10 feet or so for birdie. You've got 18 feet for par. It's a pretty butch. Yeah. So, in, in a decent field, actually, over there. Um, sooner or later, it'll be like the race to Dubai will be over, which it's funny because you on the race to Dubai points, you've got Colin Morikawa leading and then Billy Horschel <laughs> second and then John Rom. And you're like, these are guys that don't play any like normal <laughs> European tour. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. I, yeah, like the stat that kills me is like uh, most wins on the European tour, and um, it's like Tigers in the top three. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty crazy <laughs> deal because majors and world golf championship count as tournaments played, I think, over there. Yeah. So, but that, and then, um, unfortunately, on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, none of the Utah boys got guaranteed starts. They will get some um, just because of how it all worked out. Um, he had Peter Quest, recent, the most recent um, BYU graduate. Uh, out there um was he 63 um missed i think like two shots we're getting some guaranteed starts um danny summer hayes who retired from his, his coaching gig to to, yeah. to try to chase it a little again um ended up t73 and um their uncle university of utah graduates uh ended up Shooting a good round in the his last round, uh, three under to move up to T one hundred five. Um, but we are going to talk about this, and you have some gripes with how they they pass out exemptions. So this yeah. is to give you give our listeners a thing. The only one who's fully exempt and can play in every single tournament on the Corn Ferry were from. Very few school finals is medalist. So that would be Zach Fisher, fully exempt. So two through 10, they get through two re basically two reshuffles is ba basically what they get. Two reorders. So this is what they call them. 
So I think that's 16 starts. Because I think you did a, the math. I think it's 16 starts. And then 11 through 40 get eight starts. Yeah. So they get through the first reorder. Um, yeah, maybe you give five guys full exam status. I guess it's, it's with the number of guys who get in the number of tournaments they get. Is your right? <laughs> well, that, that, that's just it. Like, remember before that was tor- Corn Ferry Tour qualifying, it was actually PGA Tour qualifying. And if if my memory serves me correct, it was the top 25 that got PGA Tour cards. Yes, but they were down in the... I mean, it still worked out in a similar way. Did it? Because because you you got certain exemptions and you were good through like first first reshuffle or reorder. Okay. Yeah, the the whole reshuffling and reordering thing, I guess that's, I mean, it benefits to those that play really well, but to me, like, getting through Q school is just, it's like, this is hell week, man. This is, like, the most torturous thing you could ever endure, and it is, you know, stage after stage after stage, and... I just feel yeah. like there should be a little bit more reward for guys that are, you know, oh, you got 15th in Q school. Oh, you only get to play like one third of the available tournaments on on the uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah, and I, so it's like I, I'm just not seeing the but the benefit here unless you win it. It it so. yes, if you win it, and it is definitely. I mean, you get some of these guys, and I don't know how many of them. Obviously, Danny was exempt in the final stage. West had to go through three. But you got guys on there, and I don't know if – no, I don't think Dunkel was. I think Dunkel was exempt past three fall. So you have some of these guys who there's a possibility – that they were um, they were playing four separate, basically four separate tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> because they had to go through pre-qualifier, first stage, second stage, and then finals. Yeah. That's it's it <sighs> is it's a grind. It's no no doubt about it um i don't know it's it kind of gets to the the thing where it's kind of what makes golf what it is the the fact that you have it's a it's an earned paycheck which that came into the play a little bit. Yeah. This this week with uh, the whole new uh, 
Saudi swing people were talking about. Do the top players get get paid enough? And Joel Diamond, Joel Dahman actually made a oh yeah that, that he was like, I don't sell one single ticket. He's like, they definitely don't get paid enough. And <laughs> I don't know if that's um, nece- necessarily true. I it's different because yeah. you. You know, yeah, there's endorsements and things like that. That's where they make their money, right? You know, Rory McIlroy, yeah, he makes probably not enough money on the course that's comparable to what he's worth in regards to, like, ad revenue and things like that for for the tour, right? He is a, like, if Rory shows up, yeah, I want to go see that tournament. I want to watch him on a couple holes, follow him, but... um. But the guy, you know, will sign a deal with Rolex and make who knows how much. So it's like there's different ways to make money. And, you know, I I mean, it. It definitely. I think. What a lot of these the people on there that were saying, oh, they get paid enough, right? This is this much. And I'm like. Yeah, but for being the best player, they also have incentives written into their deals that are higher than anyone else, too. Oh, yeah. Right? So you're not going to get, even if Joel you know, Dahman plays good, I think he's being, I can't remember who is, but they're not paying him as much as Tony's getting paid if he has a good performance, right? His incentive on his contract are larger than somebody who is not the top top level guy. Yeah. Which is one of the, like I said, is one of the reasons why I enjoy golf because it's right. How many guys, and you see this all the time, they're like, but the top guys in the, in the NBA, I'm like, yeah, but those top guys, they get paid so much out of the gate and if they're stinkers or they play good for two years and then renegotiate their deal and then they suck for five years, but they're getting paid $40 million a year to do nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, I mean, that totally could be said for like, uh, what's his name? They went from the Jazz to, to Boston. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, can't remember his name, but anyway, I had it in my head and until you said that. Yeah. So, it, yeah, they're not worth it. Total bad investment could be same said for some of these first round drafts as quarterbacks and whatnot. So, it, yeah, it's tough to say, but I mean, everybody loves guaranteed money, but, um, only way you get guaranteed money is if you uh, you perform and you're marketable. Yeah, like you perform at some know. point, yeah. And that's it, it's that way anywhere. Obviously, they've performed at some point. Uh, they get it there. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but it's kind of the deal they've agreed to at this point, and they have they now have the option. Yeah. Right, those top players have the option. <laughs> They've been given the option, right? If they really wanted to take that, because they're not 
they're not going to lose their their well maybe maybe they have to play in so many as part of their endorsement contracts maybe they have to play in so many dj tour events or something to that that effect yeah but there's 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 bonuses i'm like you said you play a Titleist golf ball and you win a tournament. I'm pretty sure they give you a pretty healthy check. Um, you're playing a driver from Callaway and you win or whatever. I mean, some of those equipment deals, some of it, some of it's like very low level, but it's the bonuses that make them lucrative. So it's like, yeah, yeah you don't get much playing a full bag of ping, but you win. And guess what? you're you're gonna be making plenty exactly so i mean that i mean we kind of got on took this corn fairy final thing and, and spun it but i think you're right i think they could offer a few extra fully exempt spots well after that you you're basically playing three tournaments where it's it's basically all or nothing <laughs> right uh so, no, I mean, and then uh, I, I counted them up. Maybe there's more, but it's around 22 tournaments on the Corn Ferry Tour. So, yeah, it's, it just seems like a grind. But hey, man, it, it is a grind. It is a grind, the, no doubt. The so. best will uh, definitely surface. Yeah, they'll, they'll show up. And you know some of these guys, they just that didn't quite get into that guaranteed start mark. They're going to get a, a couple of starts. They're yep. going to get some starts, and they just need to take advantage of them. Um, I, I would, I mean, as one of these players here, I'd be highly motivated to go on the Asian tour now. <laughs> I mean, if I was like tied for 25th and you may get a couple starts, there's not much of a contract there sitting for you. And guess what? Yeah. Head over you, the Asian tour. See if things... you can get on the Asian tour. I don't know how they run there. I mean, probably have to do some kind of qualifier, but Monday qualifying, the field might not be right. You get exempt and, and then play good enough to get yourself exempt through the Saudi swing. That's where, that's where the big bucks start rolling in, <laughs> right? So, and and then next thing you know, you know, it's one of those tournaments that they have like DJ in and and Rory, and they had appearance fees, and you're sitting there next to them. It's like that's that's game time. Yep, here you go. Um, but a pretty cool story on the the guy who won the the champion store event. Yeah, um, that I think they ended up having to finish today. I don't know, or it could have been yesterday, and I just was watching the the re. I think it was. I think I was just watching the finish of the the third round on on Sunday at the end of that one. But Stephen Alters wins the Timber Tech Championship. Uh, so basically, goes turns fifty in late July. So has no status. There's no status here. Send Jim Fear goes, oh, goes from basically no status. I'm like, no, he had no status in late July. <laughs> so he goes, qualifies, does a Monday qualifier, has a run. So he has a run of, let me see what it says. 
talks about it here. Um, so it has a run. So I was going to go to Campion Store Q School, which is in a week. Well, Monday when he qualified into the Boeing Classic, he kept right tied for seventh. Then he did stop. He said, then it was another top ten at the Ally. Another, then another top ten, then another top ten. Yeah, he it, said he racked up five consecutive top tens. That's quality and, golf. And eight and nine right tries. There. He his only other result was a T sixteen. Which is still like phenomenal. <laughs> then, yeah, that's just crazy. So unlimited action. He was there, but then goes on to win, and now it's fully exempt. He doesn't have to go to Q school <laughs> anymore. But I mean, that runs pretty. Yeah, pretty impressive for sure. Eight out of nine top tens. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty, oh, that's pretty that's good. pretty impressive. He he definitely tore it up, and he deserves everything that he got. Like he played right. some awesome golf for sure. So that's that was a pretty cool story there. Um, now to the PGA Tour, where Victor goes back to back. In Mexico, um, I didn't watch much of the first three rounds, but watched quite a bit of the final round. And dude, just like didn't miss much. <laughs> no, what he, he did, he was really good with his wedges around the greens. He really played some excellent golf. <laughs> Um, to me, I, I kind of always felt like he was a little overrated, but after seeing how he won this one, I'm like, okay, maybe there's a little bit more respect there deserved, but yeah, he, he absolutely played phenomenal golf. Yeah. There's a golf course that he just didn't, doesn't look like he had the big numbers that everybody else had, right? Everybody else had, I mean, yeah, he has some bogeys in there. He does have, I guess he has one, one double bogey in the second round, looks like. But besides that, pretty solid play. It was bogey 362 in round three. Yeah. And then just closes it out. Solid 67. But just kind of pulls away from the field. You know, some guys came in. Scotty Scheffler, like, was going bonkers through that, and then just kind of stalled out and hits one out of play on sixteen, and was the end of that. I don't think it would have caught him. Obviously, he was at nineteen under at that point. He would have had to bogey the next or birdie the next three, and still would have came up one short. Um, but yeah, Victor does it. He's is interesting. I looked at his um, tournament win last year, and he actually went low the same day. So 
on round three movie mm-hmm. day he shot 63 last year and then this year he shot 62 so he bettered himself by one and just played consistent throughout the week i mean 20 under last year 23 under i'd say he's got you know he's yeah. got mayakoba's number for sure <laughs> it's the place that he likes um racking up those tournament wins yeah um well he's got good vibes you know he hits the ball, doesn't get it out of play much, especially with his driver, even with a backup. Yeah, that's what that was really impressive. And we'll kind of deep dive into it, but yeah, a, basically a brand new driver setup. So, uh, yeah, I think he's stuck in on his, yeah, I don't know, crazy story. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's the ball straight, hits it solid. Really good ball striker. I think he's working on the right things to get everything else in line with it, right? He's always kind of with those guys. It's always been around the greens that has kept him from winning a, a few more tournaments, right? Ball striking's always going to keep you around the leaderboard, which is, you know, holds true for for now, you know, I mean, think about how many, if Adam Scott was just a little bit better putter, right? There's a, there's a few guys that you can just name that if they were just slightly better, right? It's not that they're bad putters. Yeah. If they were slightly better putters, would have ran on some, some major victories. And Adam Scott has anyway, but it could have been. Uh, quite a few more, I think, for some of these guys that strike the ball as well as as well as they do. Yeah, this is interesting too. He's got a little Caribbean flair because he's he's now won in Mexico twice and then Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. So <laughs> he's he knows where he likes to win, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Well, he was the one that broke um, the yeah, that, the Puerto Rican curse last year. Yeah, he did. He did. Comes back just to to double down on that. Um, Kidding. It'll be interesting to see. He he's such a good ball striker. If he can stay consistent with the flat sticking around the greens, um, could be pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. And he's kind of. I mean, he's plenty long, right, for the tour. Yeah. But in some regards, he's not nearly as long as some of these other players. And um, he's just he's just a really solid ball striker. Yeah. I think, like I said, so, adequate. It sounds like he did with the new driver because it was a little shorter. He did lose some distance with the new setup. Um, but, yeah, you read the story. I just kind of heard it. So how did this whole new yeah. driver fiasco <laughs> go down? That's a great story. So anyways, Victor's on the driving range with, with uh, uh, another player who happens to be practicing some speed drills. 
and um, they kind of start chatting about it. And there's a launch monitor out there, and they're tracking the ball speed and everything. And and Victor's like, "Hey, I wonder if you'll actually pick pick up some ball speed if you swing my driver, which is a little bit longer." I um actually, what was the length on his driver? I didn't see that, but I guess it's longer than 45 than what would be typically standard. But uh, anyways, the other player, James Hahn, he was the guy doing the speed drills. And he just goes after it. He's like, well, I'm, I'm going to crunch this thing. Let's see what kind of you know miles per hour I can get. And this shaft just folds around his back on the recoil. And the, I think it was Danny Lee that broke it. Danny Lee broke it. Oh, James Hahn. James Hahn was the yeah. borrow, borrowed shaft. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. So Danny Lee, he goes after it, and on the recoil, it bends around his back, as you can imagine, some kind of like long driver player going after it. And that's typically where the shaft would break and, and when somebody's going super aggressive because it's bending around somebody's back. But um apparently it broke in several pieces it wasn't even like a clean snap it's like multiple pieces so <laughs> it, it was quite the break and like could you imagine you're getting ready to tee off and you're just about ready to walk to the first tee and then you have somebody swing your driver and then the shaft is just put into pieces <laughs> oh, like, oh. but james hong comes to the rescue yeah. Throw them um, a loner shaft that's a little shorter. So Victor lost a little bit of distance, but obviously everything else stayed intact. Um, so is the, when we go through this, the, the Hovland, what's in the bag? Is that the actual, did he have the same shaft? That is. Shaft? That is the, the shaft listed is the one that, that uh, James Hahn gave him. They were different shafts. Um, I'd have to look back to I see which, yeah, which one it was. So I'm going to pull that up. But um, yeah, I can't remember exactly what he had played before, but that's kind of a sketch, right? You're, you're totally dialed in. I mean, some people care about numbers. I've got to assume that PGA Tour players care, especially since they're over there talking about launch monitor numbers and things like that. And so the, you you have a shaft that, that's going to do a certain thing for you. And it could be spin rates or something like that. And then you've got to put a completely different shaft that you haven't tested yet. And that's crazy. Um, so I pulled up. Let's see here. He was playing a, a Project X Hazardous Smoke right. RDX Black. So, so a, a similar profiles. Shaft. Similar profiles. Yeah, they're yeah. similar profiles yeah. for sure. I think the 661 was a very similar very shaft to what DJ played for quite a while. But similar. Um, but it's still, it's a very boardy, right? The RDX yeah. Black is a very boardy shaft uh the speeder 661 is same yeah so. but apparently he had a backup driver head i don't know why he wouldn't use 
the other head from the driver that snapped, but the story is he, he took a backup head and James Hahn had the shaft and they put it together. And, and so the reason this is kind of a, a neat story is when you come to these remote places to play PGA tournaments, you don't have the facilities that you would normally have at a USA tour stop. Um, you, you just don't have them at all. You actually have to rely on the people around you or somebody in some closet that can put clubs together if something happens. So that's why it, it was so unique to have a shaft being borrowed from another player and, and whatnot. You, you kind of have to bring your own little backup arsenal when you, when you're going out of the States, um, yeah. no tour truck, tour van sitting there for a yeah. backup in, in 10 minutes. No tour truck. Um, so definitely had to go kind of, uh, yeah, cobble it together. I mean, if no one had any shaft that, that worked even close, that would be, I mean, could have been all over for him. Yeah. For no, sure. Pretty fortunate, but man, solid play. I'd say some of the highlights around his um, golf clubs. Here's a guy that likes a cavity back. Ever since he's come on tour, he's had the chance to experiment with other irons. He's been, I think he even tested like um, the eye blades and as well as the, the blueprints, but he seems to gravitate back to the I-210 and, and it's yep. a pretty popular model for tour staffers on the ping side, yeah. but that's, by no means is that like a blady iron that is that is just a traditional cavity back 100 yeah, pretty much it's definitely there and then um yeah definitely more of a cavity back was more forgiving ish um and then he in his 50 and 56 he has your favorite wedges <laughs> right right yeah, your um, favorite wedges. <laughs> oh my gosh so I, I made a post about this. I was sharing some stuff, but the Ping Glide Forge Pro are probably some of the worst looking designed wedges I've ever seen in person. Um, they just look like a, a shovel with a bent neck on it. And um, they work. If they, they definitely work. I mean, if you, if you can bend them weak and grind off the leading edge, so there's no belly on it. You could actually have a pretty good looking wedge, but um, anyways, fantastic face technology. There are some of the best grooves and face contact for spin like ever, but um, the wedge that just always comes back is uh, the uh, Vokey 60 T. And this is actually a modified one. Um, Aaron, Aaron deal posted about this edge after his victory. And it's like a tri sole T grind T grinds, usually just like a two grind sole, pretty good, healthy bounce in front, but not very much. Right. Uh, it's a wide sole. It's just a very brief, um, heavy bounce on the front, but his actually like levels off into three grinds, uh, okay. for versatility and it's it's a pretty cool wedge but um he loves it and a lot of players do i mean that t-grind it seems like it's in the bag of a winner every single week 
it's been in a, it's been in a lot of our our what's in the bag discussions for sure on that um been pretty standard goes with the lower spinning pro v1 um and the ping pld which is uh, really kind of a cool putter the pld where you goes to get fits but i think his has a patina on it so it's a raw they get to do a, they get a few extra options as bro oh. If you but, can get down there, you can get a PLD putter, but yeah, it's, I, it's special. This thing, like, I know Scotty Cameron has circle tees and and they're different, but in some regards, they're identical to retail, but they might have a different plate on the bottom with a different milling, or they might have slightly different sight options, but essentially, yeah. you're getting the same putter. I, never have I seen a greater disparity in what a player gets as a putter than with retail than with ping. Like that they, they're just to me night and day different. Yeah, you can't it's it's not similar. No, <laughs> like they're, they're not even close. No, no. Like almost every PLD I've seen has some type of infused tungsten on the heel and toe um throughout the putter. Like and they just they make different, but it's, yeah, the PLD is you go down there, you get fit. It's a putter made for you. Obviously you've got certain shapes and styles, but it's not, it's not what you can get. And I think the first one, it was the guy who won the, the corn Ferry here in Utah a couple of years ago, but I was looking at his putter and I'm like, that may be the sexiest putter I've ever seen. <laughs> Just because it fit in my eye, because it's exactly the yeah. part that I wanted. Yeah, that, that uh. kind of matched the specs that I like. But, um, but yeah, good stuff there. Like I said, pretty basic there. And then other big news in the golf industry is Taylor Me acquires Nassau, a golf company. Yeah, which that. I think it was Snell and Kirkland is the balls that are. That so, they produced, I believe, is what I saw in the, the article. There, there's there been some, I mean, they've produced golf balls for quite a few. Um, yeah. In particular, I mean, the story that kind of brought us out on, the, on the, the headlines was that they sold some leftover golf balls from a um, another manufacturer in Europe. And these overruns that they slapped Kirkland logos on, um, these balls were not allowed to be sold in the U.S. because they infringed on certain U.S. patents that were owned by Titleist. They could be sold in the U.K., though, or across Europe, and that's where that manufacturer was actually selling them. And uh, so anyways, the second those things went on the market, Titleist got involved and they disappeared. <laughs> and and rightfully so right so um don't take somebody else's technology unless you're going to pay for it but um exactly after that um kirkland had to go through a couple different manufacturers they've they had some issues with quality control um but nassau they know how to make a good ball i mean for real um the the first v- version of that kirkland ball performed incredibly well Yes. People were calling it the, the Pro V1 killer. Well, it turns out it was a Pro V1. <laughs> and then um, 
and they also make the snowball yeah. which is you know a former titleist and tailor-made golf ball master basically went split off to make his own golf balls and used a quality manufacturer to make them and he had a pretty high tolerance of how he wanted to make them and so of the direct consumer golf balls those are probably i could easily say the highest quality and the um you know a little bit more expensive than what you'd expect but that's why the yeah. quality's there so quality's there. for taylor made to acquire nassau that's a big move and yeah i think it was the next step for them to gain a little bit better consistency in their golf ball manufacturing and also just not have any constraints on, right. on them being able to make golf balls because he yeah, had they had to battle the manufacturing plant yeah yeah you have to battle for time um yeah. and it's why for the basic balls Cleveland or Bridgestone and Strixon who both have facilities in the U.S. never really came across in their in their premier ball right if you did range balls and stuff like that those were a little bit different yeah um, but I actually something that I you you would think that Titleist would have the most ball patents but it's actually Bridgestone and Strixon who own the most golf ball patents huh. in the industry yeah yeah no it's there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on with golf balls but this is a big one i'm happy for taylor made i think this will be a good move um there is nothing better than selling something that people lose every single day when they go play golf there's <laughs> yeah. um, so, is making some big moves i will say that there yeah. is yeah they gotta quiet on the <laughs> their new stuff coming out. Yeah. Something different. Just wait. It's wait? Cool. Well, you can't. Yeah, it's wait. it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I won't sell out. Uh, you're good. <laughs> I won't kiss it. I won't sell. I won't sell up. I sell up my rep. But <laughs> it's going to be exciting. <laughs> It'll be exciting. It'll come out before I'm sure that I speak of it on here. Somebody oh. will get somebody will get in trouble for it. I'm but sure. Anyway, it, it's it'll be everything. Cool. Yeah, everything leaks. This is true. <laughs> but yeah, TaylorMade's making making some big moves. So trying to awesome. gain some gain some shares. I don't know where they were on the ball market, but they were never, they weren't kind of that. I think they're a distant fourth yeah, behind Callaway and, and Bridgestone. Yeah. And then those guys are a distant, distant. Oh my gosh. Second. <laughs> like, like, well, when they came out with the pro V one, it was over because they have held the market since then. Oh, like, and, crazy they were pretty solid when they were playing the pro 92 yeah and the and they're Lotta. there but i mean the pro v1 just put the yeah. it is such on its head good ball like it's so good it's ridiculous um yeah this year i actually played the pro v1 all year just to see if i would like a ball that spun a little bit less on irons mm-hmm and I think I'm going to go back to the Pro V1X. Get yeah. a little bit more spin back. Spin back. 
I've always this I've always wondered sometimes, depending on what your ball flight is, whether if you get the right amount of spin, depending on how it comes out in launch, right? Because if you look uh-huh. at guys on the tour and their thing, it's their launch is actually a little lower, but they spin it a little bit more. So yeah. So. Yeah, I found that um I liked the feel of the Pro V1, but it didn't really matter to me in the end. Mm whether it had a, a little bit higher click to it or it felt softer. Um, to me, that didn't really matter. It's what happens around the greens. And for some reason, that Pro V1X around the greens spins so good um, on these little nippers, these chip shots. It just grabs, and I want that back. The Pro V1 does it a little bit, but not quite like the Pro V1X for some reason. It's weird. And I- because that was one thing that I had to feel from the because I played the Bridgestone Tour BX. Yeah. And I had to feel that. And it does get that grab around the greens, yeah. which is good. And I mean the XS obviously may get a little bit more, but it's it gets the Tour BX gets adequate. But I still I still want I think I want to mess around with some balls this this upcoming season but um i don't know there um any golf for you this weekend um what is the weather supposed to be like i'm gonna do is yeah there might be one Uh, last day there's one yeah it's looks like it's a good saturday yeah yep you probably have any other frozen I'll, I'll, I'll be going to another Broadway show. show. Or, I'm <laughs> sure. Now, honestly, like as a working man with with family, I'll tell you what. There's nothing better than weekday mornings for me. <laughs> That's probably my best time. That's what we're gonna get. Unless I can get you. I mean, if you can make it, I could probably work this out somewhere. Yeah, I have a good place. If you can make it happen, give me a heads up on the weekdays. Yeah, weekdays are getting a little harder. Doesn't you can't get out until nine o'clock any right now? Uh, True, that's true. But if you if you can sneak away for a few hours on Saturday, I can probably make something work. So, just let me. I'll keep my crossed. Um. Other than that, listeners, thanks for listening and enjoy your week thanks for listening to this episode of birdies and bogeys if you enjoyed what you heard please subscribe leave us a rating and review and until next time have a great week